Welcome to another special edition of AA for Entrepreneurs. I'm Adam. I'm Andrew. And this is our guest, Justin Stenstrom, who's an author, entrepreneur, and founder of the Elite Man uh, magazine. That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Andy, for having me on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been uh, a long time coming. I've just been waiting for this. this Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on here too. It's a cool setup you guys have. And uh, I know you guys are doing awesome things, man. So yeah, you as well, you know, taking a quick look at the the podcast, you know, it seemed like you had some pretty good subscriber numbers on there. Yeah, yeah, we're doing all right. You guys have some great topics to help men, you know, develop into even better men. You know, it's almost kind of like what the Masons do, you know, kind of the same mission where like Masons have a mission to you know, bring good men together to yeah. them up. It kind of seemed like your, your podcast had the same theme. Yeah, no, it does. And you're right. I haven't even actually made that connection with the Masons though, but you're right. And for, I don't know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, even going back, there's always been like great men that younger men aspire to become or great role models that they have to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the last few decades or so, we've kind of lost that in general, especially in this country, in America, we don't have like great leaders, great men to, to follow in their footsteps. And that's kind of what I try to do with the show is just bring as many great men. And sometimes I have women on too, cause they can bring on great advice as well, but yeah, yeah, but so, but it's mostly just having good men to, to, to follow, to lead and, and, you know, to show other guys how to be better men, better guys. It's kind of like what I'm looking at as like an aggregation of mentors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like you're just distributing, like here's all of these inspiring people for your audience to look at and be like, wow, I want to dive deeper into this guy's material mm. because there's just something about it that re- is really inspiring. I know right now, one of my biggest mentors at the moment is Henry Rollins. Yeah, and, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. You know, do, do you have any mentors that you have right now or any mentors that you've had in the past that really stand out? Yeah. So the cool thing with the show is I get to interview all kinds of, of cool dudes. And when I first started it for like four years ago, it was like a bunch of people nobody knew, like, you know, just people I knew about because I was into personal help, personal development and all that. But now it's like, you know, more and more famous kind of people in like this field and people know. But, um, yeah, I've become friends with, with guys like Robert Greene, the author, yeah. 48 Laws of uh, Power, and um, Dr. John Gray, the Mars Venus author. Okay. Uh, women are from Mars and uh, women are from Venus, men are from Mars. Uh, and, you know, I occasionally ask them questions about business or, you know, writing authors. I'm writing a new book I, I mentioned to you guys a moment ago. Um, they just kind of, you know, it's cool. I get their emails. We shoot back and forth and, you know, just get great information from them all the time. And yeah, I look up to these guys, even if I don't talk to them like that all the time or occasionally, um, people that I have on the show, I consider mentors cause I'm learning from them. When I interview people, I learn just as much myself being the interview interviewer as the people listening, just being the audience. So the thing I found that was very interesting is that you kind of like to dive into people's backstories as to like what makes them who they are, what makes them tick. Yeah. You know, what made them make X decision in their life. And that's kind of like what we, we try to do here as well. So what, what made you like, what in life, when did you start uh, like noticing that you had this niche and like, like self-help, you know, like you want to, you want to push everything you're learning to help other men grow. Like, yeah. when did you realize that was your niche? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great question. But, uh, the truth is I didn't even like 10 years ago when I was hanging out with you when we went to high school together and then we, we did some motorcycle riding for a little yeah. bit, a few years after that caught up. 
But like t in high school days, like 17, 18 years old, I was like really, really depressed, had anxiety all the time, getting three to four panic attacks a week. I was very like suicidally depressed. It was really bad for a period of about a year or so. And then, you know, for a couple of years, it was still shitty, but the year was like horrible. Yeah. And it wasn't until like after high school or towards the end of graduating high school, I um, started to really tackle some of these problems and get more confidence in myself, have better self-esteem, get over the depression, and anxiety issues, and also like social skills, socializing, communicating with people. I was always like an introvert. I was very shy. It took me a couple of years to really figure those things out. And then the social skills and all that stuff, probably around 20, 21 years old, I realized that I was getting really good at it and I was starting to help other people out. And so I wanted to, to, give back and, and help other people like me who had these same issues. But also like, I felt like I was in a place where I could actually help other people. And it wasn't just like, you know, taking all this great information. It was now, you know, I can give back to other people who need it as well. Mm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. What I've noticed is you're, you're a doer, you know, you, you have this idea and not only is it an idea, but you execute and, um, entrepreneurially when like a lot of people go back, you look at their history and be like, Oh, they started making money selling cards or selling lemonade. <laughs> what was your first entrepreneurial dollar? Um, hmm, that's a great question. I, I okay. yeah, I'm, I don't even know. I think, I think the answer is the first dollar that I made from entrepreneurship. I, I always had this, you know, backbone too. Like I, I had a lemonade stand when I was a kid, and I had, yeah. there was these construction workers that um, up on the end of my street when I was a kid. They they were building this new bridge. And there was like 50 guys all around. I remember me, my brother and my sister um, set up like a lemonade stand. And then we bought like Cokes and like had sandwiches that we made, like peanut butter sandwich. And we were selling it to these guys every day. And it was cool. It was like, you know. They were happy because they're not Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they weren't getting ripped off. We were giving them a good product. Yeah. We were giving them some Coke and, and, you know, tuna sandwiches and peanut butter sandwiches. And they were loving it. <laughs> yeah. We, I was like seven or eight at the time. My brother was like 10. And that was really like the first thing. But as far as like what I'm doing now, this type of stuff. The first entrepreneurial dollar came from my first website, which was a dating advice website for guys, like confidence dating advice. Uh -huh. And it was just basically doing coaching. I was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with them uh, via Skype, some in-person stuff, but mostly via Skype online. And that You're was like Hitch. That was it. Yeah, I was like Hitch to start so off. With. Exactly. So, uh, because that, I didn't really mention that as well, but that was a huge issue for me was, was dating and actually being able to have like girlfriends or hooking up with girls. When you're 18 years old, you, you, you can't hook up with girls you're going to have shit confidence. Yeah. And that was, that was a big thing for me. Yeah, exactly. That kind of just made it worse. Yeah. And along with the social skills and the confidence and the, and the self-esteem, um, getting good with talking to girls, socializing with girls, um, even being able to attract girls, that's a big piece of the puzzle for a lot of men. And, um, I, it took me a few years to figure that out. But once I did, it was like, you know, my whole fucking life changed. And <laughs> I started helping other guys with that. That was really the first thing that I did with that was confidence and also dating advice. I was just telling you the story the other day about I moved to Arizona and my, my friend, I met somebody there named Kyle and he literally like gave me swag. Like I was yeah, dude. viciously through high school. Like I had no wow. confidence, like dated my emotions. You know, I like just was that kind of person. And then, met this person. I was like, why do you do that, bro? Like, you're so cool. I'm, like, I'm cool. <laughs> you know? yeah. Just like going from there, same thing. Talking, yeah. talking to girls, like you'd be like, nah, bro, don't do that. Do this. And I'm doing it at work. I'm like, yeah, All right. I do this. This is cool. You know, and it just builds and builds and builds. Yeah. And once you see one person can do it, like if you, if your mind can see that somebody else is doing this, 
it's like you realize that it's possible. But once you realize that it's possible, it's going to be fucking done as long as you put the effort into it. Like once you see that someone else has already done it, now you have the playbook to see how it's done and it's going to be done as long as you keep following through with it. Gary Vee says all the time, if there's one person who's done it that looks anything like you or has anything similar to you, you can do it. Exactly. You just got to start. Absolutely. I believe that 100%. So after uh, graduation, right? We graduated together yeah. in 2009. Uh, <laughs> 10 years. Yeah, 10 years ago. I can't believe we've yeah. that fast already. Insane. Well, what was in your, in, your, uh, in your sight? What was your plan? Did, did you have like, one of those moments where you kind of panicked? Oh, shit. What am I going to do? Or did you kind of have an idea of what was going to happen? I actually thought I went to college. I got uh, an associate's degree, which is absolutely meaningless and dog shit, but I went to, did you go to Massasoit too? No, no. I went, all right. So a bunch of kids from around here, I know went to Massasoit. I got a two year degree, a liberal arts, which again, you can't do anything with, but I thought I was going to go into that. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I thought I was going to go. I loved like psychology. I love the social arts. I thought I was going to kind of major in psychology and go down that route. But you know, as I was doing it more and more, I realized that it wasn't really for me. I wasn't enjoying it. And I also was studying all this other stuff, like online, doing my own research, bettering myself, self-improvement. And I was seeing all these other guys like dating coaches and life coaches and like doing this shit. And I was like, that's the stuff I want to do. I want to do something like that. This is what really draws me in. This is what I'm passionate about. I don't want to fucking waste my time as much as I did enjoy some of the things in college. I didn't want to be a part of the rat race. Yeah. I didn't want to be part of that rat race and I wasn't really passionate about it. So I kind of just like veered this way instead of keep going that way. I just took like a left and, you know, I, I just dove into this and started like researching more and more into like how to actually do it, how to, you know, set up life coaching or dating coaching business. How are these other guys doing it? What have they done? What mistakes have they made? How are they successful at it? And that really took me like two or three years to figure out exactly how I was going to do it or how I wanted to do it. But I basically decided around like say 20, 21 years old that that's the route I wanted to go down. Mm-hmm. And so that was like kind of what I started to pursue. So you, you mentioned mistakes. Now, yeah, every entrepreneur <laughs> we make we make mistakes like almost the way of life. <laughs> yeah, what can you remember? Are there any mistakes that really stand out that you learn from? Um, yeah, I think the first biggest mistake in in terms of um, setting up like the website was I had all this like when I initially first launched that first website, it was like. I spent months and months crafting it, perfecting it, making it look so good, putting all these great pictures up, like styling it, fonts, all this other crap. And it took me months of doing all that work and looking back at it now, unnecessary work, but making it like taking too long to perfect it and also putting up a shitload of content. Like I I think I launched the thing with like 20 different articles and each article took me like a few days to write. It was like, you know, heavy meat content. It was thousand plus words or so per article. And it was basically like a mini book that I just launched. And I spent all this time working on the content to launch it. But it was like, I didn't actually spend the time to build the audience. So I fucking launched the thing and there was nobody there to read it. There was nobody there to see it. And I just thought because I had such a great idea and it was a good idea, maybe it wasn't great, but it was a good idea. I thought because it was a good idea that it was immediately going to be successful. And if I just put it out there on the internet and I had like this great setup that people would just come to me, all these customers would come, all these people that needed this advice would come and they'd find me and I'd get, you know, rich and all this other shit. And it didn't happen. And for the first, like maybe four or five months of, of like launching it, the website, there was literally like no traffic. There was nobody, it was like, you know, a couple of people and like 
one of them was like my mom checking my shit out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was just nobody coming to my website and I didn't get any customers. Yeah. Nice job, honey. <laughs> so that was the biggest mistake was not actually building that audience before creating the product. And that's what you did. You started, that's what I did. I, after that, I, yeah. After that, I slowly started to do that. And you know, it took me a few years to build it up to like where it's at now. But that was the turning point really it was when I started getting those people to, to fill up the seats. How did you do it? Uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of work and a lot of mistakes on that too. Just trying a bunch of shit and wasting a lot of time doing stuff that wasn't really helping out. But some of the biggest things that really did help out as far as, uh, building the audience up was definitely collaborating with other people. Uh, launching the podcast itself was a great idea just because it connected me to so many people in my space, in my industry. And they opened up a lot of doors and they exposed me and my show and, you know, my audience to their audiences. Like if I have somebody on my podcast, generally, most of the time they're going to share the interview with their audience. Mm -hmm. And so when I do this now, I've done it like 220 times or so, something like that for episodes. When you do that 200 times, half the times people are, are sharing it, you know, you get a ton of exposure just that way. And it's not like you have to do anything extra. You're just having great content for your own shit anyways. And then these people share it. So it's like, you get a double whammy with that. And then plus like making those connections, they introduce you to people, they get you on their site, they interview you on their podcast or their show. Um, and it just builds up that way. It takes time. It's not, it's not something you can really build up overnight or in, you, you know, in a short period of time. Patience. We felt that you gotta be patient. For sure. <laughs> Building up a podcast. It definitely, <laughs> man. It's a, it's a grind and podcasting is, can be in a lot, in a lot of ways, one of the hardest ways to build up, but it also can be, one of the best ways as far as collaborating with other people like we're doing right now. I mean, this is good shit for both of us. Like I enjoy being here. You know, you guys enjoy having me on, I hope. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And we're both hitting each other's like audiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. So long-term success, Yeah. you know, banks on things like this, because then we break this down, this 45 hour, hour long, whatever this ends up being into, you know, 10 to 20 bite-sized clips. Yeah. And now thousands and thousands more people are seeing it. You know, you're able to put that out for your people. You don't have video on your podcast yet. Mm -hmm. Now they're gonna be like, "Oh, that's what he looks like. Yeah, that's what that weird dude oh, looks like." The boss. Pepe. That should be the name of the episode. Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the name of this episode. It really it has to be. I think. <laughs> the biggest thing is you're having fun. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you have to do what you want. It's it's, it's showing so people the real you. you. Yeah. You know, let people connect to you and bringing value to people just by being yourself. Like, I know. How fucking cool. awesome it's awesome. <laughs> like, living in the 21st century, us right now, we, especially millennials, have it better than fucking anybody has ever had it in history. The yeah. opportunity that we have right at our fingertips, the ability to reach so many people. Like, to, yeah, they bought houses for cheap, but we have the fucking internet. Yeah. You can really become a millionaire from this device in our Exactly. <laughs> you can become a millionaire just by setting up an online business. Like, oh. it's ridiculous. Yeah, and then, you know, we did the, if you did this 30, 40 years ago, you would need fucking hundreds of thousands of dollars in capital just to start a, a business. Now it's like, let me just start this, you know, on my fucking yeah, laptop. Yeah. Right. The word it's, entrepreneur was looked down at. Yeah. Like, yeah. Entrepreneur. Go, go get a job. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Jobs. Fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> my favorite thing about the internet is just the accessibility of mentors. Yeah. I mean, mm. yeah, learning from other people is like the best way to to not make those mistakes. Yeah, in right. Back in the day, I mean, you look at, you look at uh, Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, he was really only successful. I mean, um, he was, he's a rare breed, but he was successful because of the paper that is 
he had just this abundancy of paper available to him that he could go out and draw all the time. And he had the ability to pursue his passion. Mm. And back in the day, a lot of people just didn't have that. Now, whatever you're into, you can follow that vein. Timing is everything. Like Leonardo da Vinci wouldn't become a famous artist today. <laughs> Most yeah. likely. He's probably like, like, oh, that's a cool piece of art. Click. <laughs> like, he probably have like 100,000 followers on yeah. Instagram, but he wouldn't be Leonardo da Vinci. He you wouldn't know? have, you know, cemented his legacy no. in history no way. if it wasn't for the timing in which he came up to. You know, timing yeah. is literally everything. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Has, has there ever been, ever been a uh, like a specific moment in the past five years of podcasting where you you kind of said this is it this is my big break i think this is this is going to be the this the weight that tips the scale there's been a few that i thought were going to be like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's been a few times where i thought like this is going to be the thing that changes everything this is going to blow my podcast up this is going to blow up my business and then you know it comes and goes and it's like it wasn't really as big as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't as great or as grand as I thought, but there have been incredible moments in the podcast. There have been incredible times. Like I've had different people on throughout the years and it's been fucking unbelievable for me. Learning experience also for credibility, social proof online for my business, for my website, those types of things. Yes. They've definitely helped out a ton, but to look back and say like, this was a turning point. This one thing that I did was a turning point. I haven't had any of those. And I've asked other people similar questions uh, to you that just asked, you just asked me and all these big people, they all say the same thing. They never like experience this one thing. And overnight it's like their life completely changes. It's a series of steps and progressively getting better over time. That makes you successful. You know, of course you have those rare times where there's like a viral video that fucking blows up and it's everywhere and it makes somebody famous. But uh, in, in most cases, overwhelming majority, it's, it's the progressive steps over time that, that really, uh, build up. I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, you know, the little moments in which lead up to the grand moments, right? Yeah. Like that one person you met five years ago might change your life in the five years. You know what I mean? It, you never know when one little action of meeting somebody is going to change everything forever. That's like the beauty of life. And I, I, I kind of a lot in life kind of been thinking like, hmm, how did I meet Andy? All right. I met Andy at a party. I met, I was at that party because of my fiance. I met my fiance because of this person. I met this person this year, this person this year, this person this year, this person this year. Like I tried to back like 15 years to like, oh, if I didn't meet this person, I wouldn't meet my fiance. Yeah, insane. It's like literally it's fucking insane. It's crazy. Like it's like the butterfly fun. effect kind of, right? Exactly. Dude, it really is. And that's just, that's just real, dude. I didn't really used to believe in it back in the day, but that is fucking real. Like a butterfly flaps its wings, fucking whatever. 10,000 miles away and then it creates like a hurricane yeah. uh -huh. those fucking things they, they call it like fractals or something they they add up over time and they just come build into something fucking insane like you have this tiny little butterfly flapping its wings and then you have a hurricane 10,000 miles uh, 10,000 miles away like you know a few months later or something yeah. it's crazy flap its wings, maybe the hurricane yeah yeah it's shit like is insane. insane it really is <laughs> so crazy um i know a lot of a lot of things. I think I remember hearing a podcast that you did with uh, Grant Cardone. Yeah, and in in the Dude. podcast, he ended up mentioning uh, his his uh, like web browser had like a ton of different tabs open. 
Now, it's very common for entrepreneurs to, to have with ADHD or to be notoriously restless. If you were to kind of go into your web browser, what kind of tabs might you, might you see? Yeah, I'm kind of, see, Grant was, he was a good dude too. He was just a down to earth. I mean, you know, you, you know why he's so successful when you talk to him? Because he's just a fucking chill guy. He's like talking. He could be sitting right next to us on this bench and just, you know, shooting the shit with us. Nothing would change about the Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah. The thing I noticed about him, though, is that he's super ADD. Like, of all the guests I've interviewed, he's probably number one for ADD. He's fucking all over the place with his mind. Like, literally just thinking of, like, 30 different things in his head while you're talking to him, having a conversation, and he's answering your questions, processing all of it, but also processing, like, 30 things at the same time. He's fucking incredible. But for me, it's like I kind of have that as well. I definitely have a, a touch, a good touch of ADD. And if you open up my computer or laptop at any point, I'd probably have about 10 tabs up as well. I try to, the thing is though, I try to minimize that. So I'll generally always have like my email tab up in case, cause I'm, I'm always on alert for like the elite life, the nutrition company I have. There's always like things coming and going with that. So I have to be kind of on the alert during the day with that shit. So I'll have it up just in case I need to like check something. But then it's like, I'm doing like two or three other things. And that's really what I'm focusing on is like mm. that main thing. And then the only reason I have like a few other tabs open is because they're all Things that like if I'm Googling something or if I'm writing something, I'm have like, you know, the, the source up and I'm looking up shit like good words or whatever to add. So I'm always having stuff that's adding to what I'm doing and try to cut out all the other distractions. Now, if I'm not really working, I'll have fucking 30 tabs up too because I'm just, you know, fucking around, not really being productive. But if I'm being productive, I minimize those tabs and I'll have like three or four up, but they're all really focusing on or helping me out in what I'm actually doing. So what are you doing uh, right? I know a lot of people watching on on our audience might be asking, well, what, what, what do you do? What, so what, what's making money <laughs> right now Yeah, for you? So I do a few things actually. I'm kind of, uh, I kind of got a couple of businesses. The first thing is I still do a bit of the life coaching, still a bit of the dating coaching, not as much as I used to do. And it's kind of in the background now, but I still do some of that M mostly consulting and actually some online business consulting, um, websites and, and things like that. That, so that's one of the avenues. The other thing is I get sponsorships, uh, ads for my podcast. I get a ton of, uh, just trying to think of some of them, like all the big ones, Zip Recruiter, RX Bar, like, wow. you know, all the kind bars, just the, all the ones that you hear on different podcasts, they all come because they all go to different shows. They want to see people that have like, you know, big audiences and they'll pitch their things to, to them. And if, you know, they're a good fit, I bring them on. Most of the time they are, a lot of the time they are. Mm -hmm. So that's another one is, is sponsorships. The other one is uh, the Elite Life Nutrition Company, the supplement company. I founded this about a year and a half ago, and it's just been getting progressively better like every month. And the last couple months has been crushing it. So I sell, I sell primarily on Amazon where, you know, like I said before, in the, main, in the, in the beginning of this uh, talk that we have, one of the biggest problems with, with businesses is having the audience already to sell to. And so one of the things I recommend people do all the time is actually rather than trying to build up the audience, which is like I did with the podcast, it took me a few years to really build that up, to have those people in those seats. Like, you know, you're sitting on, you're talking on stage to people. You want to have people filling out those seats. Mm -hmm. It took, it takes generally a good year in most cases, a couple of years to build up those seats, to have those people come to, to buy the shit that you're selling. Yeah. Instead of doing that, you can actually just go to where the people already are. And in this case, it's Amazon. And a lot of other e-commerce places like that, there's different platforms, but Amazon's the biggest one. And that's why 
a couple of years, a year and a half ago when I decided that I wanted to jump into this, that was the biggest reason why I wanted to jump into it because they already had the audience sitting there. And, and not only that, but they already have the audience that are willing to buy. When people search something on Google, they're just searching something to find some information. When they search something on Amazon, they're searching because they're fucking ready to buy it. Yep. So a year and a half ago when I launched this, um, this supplement company, the biggest reason I did it was because I wanted to, to go where they already were and I had a great idea, which was building up the supplement line, doing you know natural products, great products, but servicing them to people that were already there. And that's kind of that's really honestly the last year and a half that's been the biggest stream of revenue from revenue for me was uh, was selling the supplements and building it up. Wow, incredible, absolutely. So after the um, after the life coaching and the the dating coaching, what immediately followed that venture? So it started off as dating advice and, and like confidence intertwined, but, but da dating advice you could say was, was initially. After that, I did that for a couple of years. Uh, after that, it just more became of life coaching, like confidence focused, getting people over depression, anxiety, self-esteem issues, um, that type of thing. And, th and that's kind of what it was for a couple of years. And now it's kind of evolved again. And it's, it's the business model has evolved you know, every year it's changed a little bit. It's always been pivots and stuff. Um, but now it's kind of mostly in the last year or so been focused more on the online business, online consulting with other entrepreneurs online. Again, I will do a lot of the, uh, the, the confidence stuff and the life coaching, but just not as much as it used to be. It used to be the, the backbone. It used to be everything. But now it's, you know, just a part of it. Now, I know you've even kind of dipped your pen into the ink of writing. Yeah. So I know way, way back. How many, when was your first book? Um, I think it was, this was a few years ago. Yeah, it was probably like six years ago or so. What was the process of writing like? You know what? It's actually a lot easier, at least for me. I don't know if it's just kind of something that I have, like a little gift of doing it. Uh, my father's actually a writer too. But it's a lot easier, I think, than people believe it is to write a book. So basically, when I when I wrote that, it was on it was from advice from a mentor at the time. Actually, a guy I was paying to help me get started in the whole uh, industry of, of setting yourself up online and, and you know building up your name. He was my first like coach, my my business coach, and he told me to write a book. And I was like, dude, what do you mean write a book? And he's like, yeah, just write a book. It, it, you know, make makes you way more uh, of an authority, gives you way more credibility. Hmm. And he's like, people won't even read the thing. You just write it and, you know, fucking have a book. And then you're an author. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, shit, let me see if I can do this. And I didn't want to just write it, even though he said, like, most people won't read it. I didn't want to just write it to have something and say I was an author. I actually wanted it to be fucking good. So I took my time with it. But even, even taking my time with it meant going in, basically locking myself in a room for two weeks and writing my ass off and, and writing 60,000 words, 66,000 words for the first book. Wow. You finished in two weeks. In two weeks, I wrote it in two weeks, and then the whole the longer process of it was just editing it and putting it together and formatting it, getting a couple proofreaders, getting a cover designer, and you know that shit. That was the longer part of it, and that was, so that was the first book. It was like it was literally two weeks to write. The process, of the whole thing was like maybe three months or so, four months, but it was fucking easy. Like the writing itself, it just came. Like if you write an article, if you ever wrote an article, or if you wrote essays in school. You can put a book together. It just takes, some people take a little time and I think they get a little distracted. That's the biggest thing is getting distracted and then not going back to it. But if you, if you set a goal to it and you, you're determined to actually to finish it and, and you give yourself a time of like two weeks, I'm gonna get this thing fucking done or one month, say one month, 
Every single day, you're putting in 1,000 words or 2,000 words. In one month, that's 60,000 words in a month, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and you know, 60,000 words is a good-sized book. You only need, say, 30,000, 40,000 to have an actual book. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier than people think. You write an essay for school, and you're probably putting in, like, four or 5,000 words or so. Yeah. That's already... This plan is, like, 12,000. Yeah. <laughs> you guys already wrote half a book. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, you can choose what you want to write about. Exactly. Right? In school, you're exactly. writing about what the it's teacher wants. Yeah. <laughs> I got, like, a C in English class the last few years of high school. And it wasn't because I'm not a good writer. It's because I wasn't mm. fucking interested in what I was writing about. Yeah, you know what I mean? So boring. It is. And then boring. doing the citations and all that shit. It's like, dude, nobody cares. I don't give a fuck about this is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. To be or not to be. Get out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you like Shakespeare, yeah. nothing against him. It's just not my flavor. I, yeah. I've been into entertainment and, and, and all that type of shit my whole life, and I've just never been into that. Like Shakespeare and everything. Like yeah. It's like musicals I'm too for me. It's like, too hard to read. Musicals, man. Like, I just can't do musicals. Like, I like music. I like movies. Yeah. Like each other. Like, I don't they don't belong like, together. I am going to the store. Like, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Do, you, do you write every day? Uh, I write most days. I don't write every single day, but I do write most days. And, and I write uh, emails. Like, I have an email list, a newsletter. So I'm always writing for that. If I post something on social media, I write, you know, a little bit. So I'm always writing something, but... Actual writing, writing, I don't do that every day. I usually do it a few days out of the week, though. I'll put, like, articles together or whatever. Um, wrote the last book. The last book, actually, is 120-plus thousand words. And that one took, to write that book took uh, probably four to six weeks. And the only reason it took longer was because there's a shitload of scientific citations in that. There's actual legitimate studies and shit I'm referencing. So for each chapter, I put like say five to 10 different citations and was going in doing research, going to PubMed, looking up all this shit. That's the only reason why I took a little longer. But that, the actual writing process for that was easier, I think, even than the first book because I was even more invested in it, more interested in actually writing about this topic. And that was the anxiety and depression topic. Okay. So, so how do you, how do you, how have you learned to like, because I, I suffer with anxiety myself and I've kind of learned to make that like a strength, right? Mm. Like my anxiety and my ADD are, are a strength to me now because yes. it's like, okay, yeah. I'm done with that. I'm moving on to that. I'm going to give it my all now. I'm going to move on to this. And even my anxiety, I'm like, okay, why am I feeling this way? It kind of like brings me back within myself. Like, okay, I'm feeling this way because of this. I need to deal with it in my head. And then my anxiety will kind of be fixed and I can be more focused on what I'm doing. You know, like personally for me, that's how I use it as a strength. How do you use, you know, your anxiety as a strength, you know, to get your head in life? Yeah, so that's actually a great way to put it. And I've used the anxiety. So I've, I've looked at it over the years. When I was first getting over the anxiety, it was a big problem. It was something that I had to consciously think about all the time. And I had to do these certain different types of things. Like I was a big self-hypnosis guy. I would do self-hypnosis every single day. I got into meditation. I also was reading The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle, and like having that shift in mindset. So th these were things that I was consciously doing every single day. But as I got, as I grew through it and got older, and more like wise and mature and, and, and handling it. I don't even deal with it. I don't even think about it anymore. It's just mm -hmm. kind of something that I've gotten over and I have like this power now, almost like a superpower to be more resilient to shit that comes up. So it doesn't even bother me anymore. It's just more like, it, it honestly, like you said, it, it's a strength because 
if I never, yeah, if I never had that, I wouldn't be able to face the shit that I face on a day-to-day basis now and just let it like kind of go right off my shoulder and not bother me. I feel like, I feel like now I just kind of see life and see different things, see different problems in a, in a better way than most people do just because I went through so much shit before and was able to get over that. And now it's like, you know, you face anything like you're stuck in traffic or you're late for work or you have this problem with business, whatever. It, it just doesn't bother you because you've gone over, you've gotten over shit before in the past, and it, you know it's it's not a it's not an issue anymore. It's not something that's really going to hurt you, like you know that in the past would. would. So yeah, you can't stress over things that you have no control over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and then again, there's a number of things that you can do um, to get over. There's a number of conscious like things that you can actually do. Self hypnosis is great. Even supplementation like magnesium, things like that. Breathing, Literally, breathing, like, yes. Breathing exactly. Deep breath can like change your whole mindset. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It actually will. Uh, oxygenize your your blood and and literally change like the pH. Yeah, yeah. Create the switch around the pH in your body. Um, the Wim Hof style. Wim Hof, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. He, is that what we did? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's actually a really cool breath, dude. It is. You do that shit. Well, I do, it's yeah. awesome. Really? I, I yeah. train it for uh, climb mountains. Really? It, yeah, it increases the uh, the lung capacity. Yeah, exactly. And it makes it stronger because after a after a couple sets. Of that Wim Hof breathing. Yeah. You're Dude, we held our breath for like two, three minutes. Dude, it's yeah. fucking cool. We're really struggling. <laughs> we were having a conversation while yeah. we, just, we have a breath in us and we're just talking and we're like, wait, uh, I haven't breathed in like three minutes. I know, yeah, yeah. And then you, you're like tingling and shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the cool. Perception of time goes down. Dude, it's fucking awesome. Smile. Fascinating guy. I know, fascinating. Him and also Joe, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. You gotta check him out when you get a chance. Mm-hmm. He has these like breathing techniques, very similar to Wim Hof, but he's more of like, getting into, he's, he's more of the meditation thing. So for me, Wim is more of the breathing thing. And I, I love those breathing things. I actually, I'll get he- headaches periodically. I have this kind of like migraine type of thing. And just doing Wim Hof's breathing for a few rounds will basically eliminate the headaches that I get. That's how fucking crazy they are, like, like impactful immediately right away. And you start getting the tingling and shit and you feel like you just feel like in a new space. But like doing those breaths before meditation and then you jump into a meditation, your meditation is like fucking 10 times better. That's a really good point. It's cool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we should have done it so the opposite true. way because like, we ended with the breathing exercise. Yeah. We started with meditation. Next time we should do the opposite. That's a great point. Yeah. It puts you at a different level. It totally does. It yeah. changes your mindset and just it, it makes you more like appreciative and, and grateful for just like being like who you are. And then you jump into this meditation, you're kind of jumping out of your body. It, it adds another level to it. it you know, I, like it, I, used, yeah. I used to get into a habit of uh, med- trying to meditate every day. Do you have any habits that you do that help you be uh, successful? Yeah, I actually do. Um, so the meditation, the, the Dispenza guy, the, Dr. Dispenza, I've been jumping into his stuff lately. I'll do I'll do his meditations. And again, they're, they're pretty intense. They're like this guy has, he's... he's I believe he's a neuroscientist or he has a background in studying neuroscience and he's actually combining like emerging the science side of things with like the, the mystical, like the supernatural shit that people can't explain, science can't explain yet. And he's having it being explained by science. So this guy will take people through these incredible meditations and they'll go to like his workshops and after like you know three or four days of his workshops, there's people that have actually gone to them with Parkinson's, with tremors, 
and they fucking walk out without trembling, without having those tremors anymore, without having yeah. Parkinson's, and they'll do like M they'll do MRIs in their brain, and their fucking brain is completely changed. So before they had a, like a completely Parkinson's looking brain and MRI, then they leave his workshop and it's gone. It's a normal brain. Shit like that is, is this guy's. Is, is, I'm telling you, it's incredible what he's doing. And other people like him, but him, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. I just had him on the show actually uh, last week. He's doing similar stuff as well. But Dispenza, in my opinion, is a little more. I haven't had. I'm trying to get him on the show, but he's doing stuff that's a little more crazy as far as like uh, instant like cure or reversal of diseases that were before like incurable. It's fucking insane. So yeah, so that's like I do. I'm dabbling in with that meditation stuff. Now I do it like a little bit here and there, but uh, every night before bed I do meditation just to kind of unwind and, and relax me. Probably like 30 minutes or so of just uh, your day. yeah, exactly. I process my day and then just write down, kind of journal for a couple minutes my my goals for the next day, what I want to get done, and then I'll just meditate like mindfulness meditation, just focus on my breathing. Normally I'm breathing normally, but I'll just focus on it for like say 20 to 30 minutes and just get really really tired and relax, and then I'll just jump into bed and that's it. So. Yeah, exactly. So with this podcast, you're on the other end of things. Yeah. The tables have turned. Usually you used to interview people. What's what's the major difference being on the other side? Yeah, I think the major difference is I get to kind of relax a little more. <laughs> yeah, so when I'm on the other side, when I'm on your guys' side, typically, it's like, you know, I have a bunch of notes and shit, and I'm trying to steer the interview, start trying to steer the conversation in a way that I think my audience will enjoy the most, will get right. the most out of. So I'm constantly thinking about, like, what I want to ask next, how I want to steer the conversation, what I want to, you know, kind of what direction I want to head. Whereas this way, it's like you guys are just asking me and I'm free flowing and, you know, saying whatever the hell I want to say <laughs> because, yeah. you know, you guys are running the show. But it's a lot easier, I think, to kind of step back and, and not be the one who has to, to run everything. I think a big part of our success of, like, interviewing people, if you want to call it that, we hate calling it that because it's not yeah. so formal. But yeah. just that little 15-minute, like, pre-production meeting of just, like, you know, this is what we're trying to do. What value do you want to bring? Let's combine it. And then it just is natural and organic. Yeah. Like, Andy's a lot more organized than I am. He has he has some notes and we had some things we discussed before you even got here, you know, but it just it makes it, you know, we feel no pressure. That's funny that you say that. I actually feel more pressure to be in the interview. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, no shit. I would rather interview somebody because I'm like, tell me about your life, and then they just talk for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the habit of a good listener. Yeah. You're right. That is that is interesting though, because I think when I first started it was that way too. Um, mm. and in the beginning it was like, all right, let me just ask, I have this person on, he talks a lot. Let me just kind of give him the mic and step back and let him do it. You know, it's a lot easier that way. You know, people don't even see me either on my show. It's just audio. And so it's like, yeah, I'll go to this guy fucking talk for like 80% of the show, 90% of the show. And I'll just sit back and, you know, pick my spots here and there. And then, you know, like doing other interviews, going to other people's shows. I've been on a ton of podcasts by now. But when I first started doing that, I was really nervous. And it was like, you know, now I'm like the center of attention. And, you know, going back to like my early days of having those confidence issues and um, self-esteem issues and things like that, it was like, you know, that was a little bit of a, a, a struggle in the beginning to get past that. But now it's like, you know, I just fucking love doing the interviews. And I, I think it's the opposite now. I just, yeah. it's so much easier just kind of to just free flow instead of having like a kind of a script to stick with. 
after mm-hmm. after like 200 episodes, you're like, let me talk, David. Yeah. I want to talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've been listening to people talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> Somebody let me talk, David. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So, where do you describe your uh, your podcasting experience? Like, what have you learned from start to finish, from episode one? To, you said episode 220? Something like that, yeah. I think it was 217 we just released. This right. t- Wait, today is Tuesday, yeah. So today it actually got released this morning. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, in the beginning it was, it was, and then I actually, I kept all my episodes. Some people have deleted some of their old episodes because they're shitty and, you know, whatever. I've actually kept day one episodes. So you can go back at any point in time and listen to me and listen to how horrible the first like 30 episodes were because they're, they're dog that shit. makes us feel good. You guys are actually, I think, a lot, way ahead of where I was back then. I was, like, really nervous on the mic. Not like I was nervous in person, um, but I was nervous on the mic because it was a new thing. And, I, and, and, you know, five years ago, too, not as many people were doing this kind of thing. So it was like stepping outside a little bit. And in the beginning, I was just... I didn't really know how to have a good interview and a good conversation with people. It was more like I had, you know, 15 questions written down and literally reading them verbatim one after the other. And that was the fucking interview. All right, great. Now. Exactly. There wasn't like, there wasn't like free flow like this. There wasn't a, uh, you know, a back and forth. There wasn't really like joking around or, you know, there wasn't, there was less enjoyment from it and more of like formality. Mm. And, and, you know, that's kind of how I thought it had to be. I had to be like a little more professional in my eyes. I thought I had to be that way. And so mm. it came off a little rigid in the first like 30 or so episodes. And then I kind of started opening up. And then like with anything else, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it, Absolutely. the better you get with it. So around probably episode 50 to 100, it really started to get better. And then, you know, since then it's been pretty good. Seeing, seeing that steady growth, like, wow, this is just, yeah. where is this going? What, what are your plans for the future? Uh, you know, like anything else, I kind of just wing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know where I'm going to go with the podcast or, you know, how long I'm going to do it for. Right now, I know that I enjoy it. Right mm-hmm. now, it's, it's good, um, you know, meeting different people, getting these connections, having these mentors like you talked about earlier. I enjoy all that stuff now. It's it's cool. It's fun. Uh, it does take up a good amount of my time doing the interviews and then getting them out to get edited and then you know that shit. So we'll see. I don't know how much longer I'll continue to do it this way, but I will say that I enjoy doing it as of right now. And I do. You know, obviously, when you have sponsors and shit who are paying it for you to do the show, that also helps because. You know, you're not just doing it for free over and over again, because after a while, that gets kind of old. It's a tedious. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I I enjoy it now. I've done 200 and something episodes. Maybe I'll do 400. I don't know. Have you ever thought about doing like a Gary Vee style, where like you just record natural, like audio within your meetings and or like your ideas of you ranting and shit like uh, yeah i actually have thought of that something like that so we'll see maybe i'll switch up the format or something yeah. at some point and that's the great thing about podcasting i don't think you need to stick to it you can do whatever you, you want can do eight different formats within one podcast the thing yeah the thing is they're all successful they're all they have their own little way of doing it and they're all they're all successful in doing it that way so i've done the interview format for four years, over four years, four and a half years. And, and, you know, it's once a week, every Tuesday, that's when they get launched. You know, it's, to be honest, I'm kind of getting a little tired of that exact structure, but I don't want to, I don't want to completely get rid of that because I love, like we talked about earlier, getting these people on, talking to these people, having these great conversations. 
I don't know if I'll ever get over that, you know what I mean? But I might just switch it up from doing like a little more of the other stuff, doing, and I do solo episodes sometimes, I'll jump on the mic myself, yep. just do an hour of talking about something. Um, so, you know, we'll see, the, the format itself might change it around a little bit, but I do enjoy them still, and, and you know, that's kind of my plan for now, anyways. Nice. Well, I was, you seem like a very well-read guy. If, if you were going on a three-week adventure, going on a ship, with no Wi-Fi. With nothing. Just <laughs> a handful of books. What would you bring? Uh, I would definitely bring the Becoming Supernatural book, which is the Dispenza book I talked about earlier. Uh, just the, he has all these meditations in there. There's like 10 different ones he has. So I would just bring that to literally have like, you know, something to do for a couple hours meditating. So I'm not just fucking bored and or whatever, lonely <laughs> being out and, you know. Yeah. So I would definitely bring that book, and I think it's it's incredibly powerful. So I would bring it for that reason. Uh, I'd, I'd probably also bring some type of, of literature uh, novel, not not like uh, self help, just based. You know, yeah, maybe like a Game of Thrones, maybe the you know one of those books. I, I love those books. Yeah, exactly. Just to kind of, and that's something that I honestly miss. Is is it's always like focused on business it's always work it's always you know being on the laptop and doing work on the internet but there's less of and you know i used to do a lot of this but there's less of this lately is just casually leisurely reading like enjoying shit that you're reading and you know it's fantasy or science fiction or whatever having that so i would think i would bring even like harry potter harry potter series is one of my favorites you know it's it's geared towards a younger kind of um uh, generation, but it's still, it's just great, the whole story behind it, and that's why I like Game of Thrones, too, it has the same type of thing, it's a little older audience, a little more yeah. mature, but it's the same type of structure where you can kind of just, like, take yourself into another place, it's like, you, you're almost like, your mind is going into, like, another universe of, like, yeah. this is the universe, and all types of different things happen in this that don't happen in front of you in real life, and like so it's cool, yeah, well, I read all, yeah. what was it, all three of those books, yeah. when they first came out, Two Towers, and yeah. uh, Return, Return of the King, of yeah, yeah, Exactly. And the Hobbit. The Hobbit. Aliens, I love those there, books. Yeah. When I was a kid, those those were my favorite books. Same. Yeah. Same. And then I just stopped reading. I hate reading now. Yeah. I literally can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Reading is like I'm like a toddler. So that's the <laughs> thing. Yeah. Audiobooks are great. Yeah. You can get through like books so much faster now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I do enjoy reading though. But the thing is, most of my reading is self-help based. Yeah. Like a uh, book I'm reading right now is uh, Expert Secrets, Russell Br Br Brunson. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a solid book, but that's really most of my stuff. It's it's like you know it's, it's either personal development, self help, or it's business books. And it's like you know those books are great, and I love a lot of these books. But it's I wish kind of I had a little more time to read some of the other shit. So, so if you could give one final piece of advice to all the aspiring entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs out there, what do you think it would be? <sighs> My, I think the biggest, wisest piece of advice I could say right now, there's a, there's a ton of different ways I could go down this, different uh, avenues to, to, to pursue in, in the question, but I think the most important one, the one that's most pertinent to 2019 and going forward is to think about technology and the way that it's changing our world. And so... Along those lines, I think the best piece of advice would be to try, if you can, to get your business online. That's really the future. It's not 
as much as I hate to say it, and as much as it scares me, retail and, and things like that, those industries are dying, and they're, they're dying very quickly. And so if you're thinking of like jumping into something like that, I would say to, to hold off on doing that and re try to really reconsider how you can have the same type of product, the same type of service or business. Without the overhead. Exactly, but put that online so that you're reaching more people and that you're reaching where the people are actually going to be. Because you know, you go walk down any street right now in any city, there's less people than there was five years ago, 10 years ago walking around. You walk into any Walmart, not Walmart yet, Walmart will happen, but you walk into any mall, there's yeah. way less people, yeah. way less people yeah. than there was five years ago. More uh, mall walkers than anything. <laughs> yeah, people just fucking walking around. They're not buying anything. <laughs> See old ladies. Oh, space. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a zoo for humans. That's the best way to put the mall nowadays. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, so uh, where can uh, our audience find you on social media? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, you guys can find me if you're interested in any of the uh, personal development stuff or self-help related. And I talk to guys, but also the advice is definitely applicable to women as well. But if you're interested in any of that stuff, EliteManMagazine.com or the Elite Man Podcast on iTunes. If you're interested in the all-natural supplement line, the, the um, supplement brand we came out with a year and a half ago, we got magnesium, women's multivitamin, men's multivitamin, calcium, basically everything you could think of in terms of uh, natural supplements, minerals, vitamins. Go to EliteLifeNutrition.com and check that out. Absolutely. All right, Justin, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I really, really appreciate you having me on. No problem. Peace.